It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com It's Bigfoot Collectors Club with Bryce and Michael. (laughs) I know a ghost story or two. Let's do this. Hello. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Bigfoot Collectors Club, the show where we share personal paranormal histories with amazing guests and tell Tories. Yep. Tories. Is this a British show all the time? (laughs) Share uh, tell tales of high strangeness. Uh, I'm your host, Michael McMillan. With me always is your other host. Bryce Johnson. And your trusty producer. Riley Bray. And uh, today we have a really great guest. Yes, we, we have uh, an expert back in the studio. I like our expert Hell episodes because yeah. we feel more like a legit <laughs> uh, paranormal podcast. Yeah. Uh, today's guest is an investigative journalist specializing in the topic of UFOs. He's the author of Somewhere in the Skies, A Human Approach to Alien Phenomenon. He is also a contributing author to the anthology UFOs Reframing the Debate. He's the creator and host of the Somewhere in the Skies podcast, which of which I'm a fan. Yes, me too. Uh, a regular on Travel Channel's Mysteries of the Museum and is the co-investigator and host of Roswell Mysteries Decoded, which I just watched last night. It's currently airing on CW Seed. Please welcome Ryan Sprague. Yay! <laughs> Thanks for having me, guys. Hey, dude, yeah. we're so, as well. so excited to have you. Uh, I've been trying to make this happen for... A little while, um, yeah. So I just went down a whole list of your uh, bio and accomplishments. Yes, let's talk about the uh, real quick to kick off the Roswell um, uh, special that's on CWC. How did that come about? So I was approached just a few months ago, actually, uh, by CW and some producers, and uh, they have their big Roswell, New Mexico, you know, fictional sci-fi show coming out. Right. And they... The old reboot. The re, the old re, the reimagining. They're yeah. calling this one. Yeah. Uh, I saw the first episode. I absolutely loved it. Oh, cool. Uh, as a UFO investigator, we're very critical when it comes to, like, entertainment. Yeah, UFO of course. history mixing. But uh, I was grinning from ear to ear when I saw it. They did a great job. But uh, they wanted to inform the public of what actually happened at Roswell before their show sort of goes out mm-hmm. on their own. That's you know? the vibe I got from it. And I thought you guys did such a good job. We were talking off mic before the show. Yeah, you I Bryce, second that. And like, you guys managed to cover like all the major beats, all the major players, and all the little 
conspiracies I've thought you guys laid out real quick and managed to go out to the crash site in Corona. Yeah. That's insane. Insane. I mean, a hundred miles from anything. You know, there's this memorial out there that says, you know, this is where something crashed in 1947. And a lot of people think that's a crash site. They go there, drive there, see it. Cool. They leave. It's actually like a hundred miles away from that. We were just endless desert. And listeners know I've been to Roswell and there is bragger nothing else. I mean <laughs> nothing it's mass it, it is so isolated it's cr- it's crazy no i had life, no idea no yeah. garbage nothing out there so that's amazing well yeah. you know i've seen a lot of uh, roswell docs and hats off to you guys like you guys uh, like mike said covered some amazing ground and you did it uh uh, in a new, fresh way, too. Like, uh, for instance, you guys were able to analyze some anomalous material from the supposed crash site, and you guys were able to take a close look at the the Ramsey letter, mm-hmm. which is, for those who aren't familiar, uh, the famed photograph of Jesse Marcel holding the uh, the weather balloon that he was made to hold, and, and right beside him is General Ramsey holding this, this letter that he probably didn't think was going to be captured on photograph, but um, with today's computer technology... Um, you guys were able to uh, take a closer look at that letter and find some interesting thing, not to give too much away. but Yeah, you. I mean, you give a UFO person, like, a piece of evidence like yeah. that, and we are going to break it down as yeah. much as humanly possible. And yeah. that's the good thing about these television shows is there's going to be UFO researchers out there who see this and can then bring us more information that they've been working on for 10, 20, 30 years that we didn't know about. Yeah. I've already had people reaching out to me after seeing the special and be like, oh, you interviewed this guy he's connected to this person you should go talk to them or did you happen to meet dennis balthasar when you when you were out there no do you i know did him? not yet yeah, the know funeral home uh guy maybe no, no he's uh he's a guy who does guided tours of roswell oh yes and yes i'm confused he's been yep. on some other shows uh but my buddy and i when we went to roswell we did the the tour with him and he was incredible. He took you to all the locations, and he was he he knew all he would speak to. He was like originally from San Antonio, I believe, um, and then moved and retired in in Roswell. And he's kind of become one of the keepers of the lore there, mm. and really knows his stuff. Really knows his facts. A lot of the stuff that um, you guys presented in the special, I had heard from him so it was he's just a, if you ever get the chance to meet and talk with him i think you really really dig his perspective and he tends to cut through the the bullshit as well which i <laughs> really really, really liked you know a lot of bullshit um, when it comes to roswell yeah probably. and you know we haven't actually done the roswell story yet on this show because it is such a monumental case and there's so much there that we really want to be able to like we feel you, like it's a two-parter. Yeah, well, we're at least because we're you know our the way our podcast is as as opposed to yours. You know, we 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 I feel like we talk the talk, but you really walk the walk. That's right. And our stuff is sort of I I, I envision Bigfoot Collectors Club to kind of be a primer for hey, if you're interested in these stories, you can kind of get the gist of it here. We're the Cliff's Notes version of a lot of this stuff, and then you can kind of go down the rabbit hole. From there, now obviously a lot of themes recur on this show, and we'll bring back old stories. And actually, I want to do some of that with you today. It's rare that we have a, a bona fide ufologist on the show, so I think I in the second half of the show, so we're going to ask. we're going to go through some of our old uh, stories of high strangeness and get your take on them, if that's okay. Absolutely, let's do it. Uh, but. Uh, yeah, so I think with we're, at some point we are going to do Roswell, but we kind of it's going to be a little bit of a game changer for us because we want to do it 
do it some justice and it yeah. might be our first like non non guest special guest like multi part. <laughs> get out of, get out of here. Me and Mike need to talk. Yeah. Well, because what's fascinating <clears throat> to me about it, and I thought that your uh, special touched upon is and Dennis Dennis Balthasar when we were going around uh, Roswell, and he was kind of giving. He also gives you such a great history of the city itself, which is great. The town itself. But to me, what's comp- so like a, a let, set aside the fact that it's there's a crash flying saucer involved, which is obviously the 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 whole point. But it also to me, it's a fascinating story of of watching the army in real time come up with how to do a cover up because mm. they had never done one of this magnitude before. Right. And that, and yes, the idea of that, this, that what's fascinating to me is it just shows you how, um, back in 1947, they didn't necessarily have a concept of permanence that one day you could run a story saying that there's a crash flying saucer that the U- the Air Force has recovered and the next day they can say, nope, it was a weather balloon and put a picture up and they probably thought that's that. Yeah. You know, and for decades, you know, the Roswell story was covered up and ignored, but ne- you know, but you brought up a great point. They never thought that there would be nerds analyzing this photo <laughs> decades later. Yeah. You know, and now of course the Air Force, the Army are going to be the military is going to be much savvier at their cover ups. But you're watching them figure out, oh shit, we shouldn't have said anything, and now we have to kind of backpedal. Um, and there was so much trust in the government at the time because of World War II and co- coming off of World and winning World War II that, you know, if Uncle Sam said, do this, you did it. If they said, don't report this, you don't. You keep your mouth shut. In obviously, there's in that story, too, uh, there are some illusions of threatening talk, which oh, I yeah. think is controversial for some people, but, you know, yeah. people kept their mouth shut. But it's, it's just, it's such a, f- it's such a fascinating snapshot in time for me and the way things worked. And, and the begin you see the beginning of that machine starting yeah. to work. Immediately. That yeah. Was, that was the beginning, I think, of... Maybe not military cover up in general, right, but definitely right. when it comes to this topic. Because the military's always had their secrets, yeah, you know. Yeah. But I mean, the minute that thing crashed and the military got on site, realized it definitely was not theirs, uh, whatever it was, the cover up started almost immediately. Like yeah. you mentioned with the headline in the paper, you know, Roswell finds flying saucer yeah. on ranch, change the next day to, nope, just a weather balloon. I mean, right there, like you said. Yeah. People aren't going to ignore that. And that that headline about the flying saucer was given to the Roswell Daily Record, which mm-hmm. we went to in the special. From the Army PR from guy. From the Army. Yeah. They wanted America to be the first to be in possession yeah. of a possible alien spacecraft. Yeah. And that guy, I can't remember his name, he lived down the street from Jesse Marcel. Mm-hmm. And the two of them, after this whole thing blew over, they would ride to work together to the Air Force base and not talk about what had happened. I think it was Ramsey who came in or the admiral above him that said... You call the Gazette, or what's what's the name of it? Uh, the Roswell Daily Record. R- still R- Roswell today, Daily yep. Record. You call them, and you get them to pull that story. Wow. And the, the guy at his tiny little newspaper office, he went, sorry, it just went to print. And they couldn't, they couldn't stop it, so they had to wait till the next day 
to walk the story back. That's fascinating. Yeah, and that's where the photos of yeah, Marcel that... and the weather balloon came from, mm-hmm. uh, completely staged. Yep. I think we oh, have yeah. definitively well, yeah, proved that. The photographer has come out and said that it was staged. Jesse Marcel has come out and said that it was staged. And, and he was and... ambushed, too, because they had the real wreckage and some of that metal that he had brought home in that office. He left the office, and when he came back to take that photo, it had been swapped out. Yeah. Yep. With you know, it was already the, being shipped somewhere yeah, else. Yeah, I can yeah, guarantee yeah. you. What that. I yeah. what I love about this this case, almost you know more so than any others, is you can you can take a complete pragmatist or a skeptic, and you can kind of have them delve into it, and you can really sort of turn them one eighty, as you did so well in in your special uh, Roswell mystery decoded um, that you could see for free, and I we definitely you should go check it out because um, your investigative partner Jen, you know, she kind of comes in as uh as a skeptic but she's able to look at that evidence and and by the end of it be relatively convinced that something there took place something was covered up by the government and uh you know i just recently read ben mesrick's book the 37th parallel mm-hmm. and you know you've he, had him on your podcast yeah you? i had yeah, him he's on a fascinating uh, again, i heard that episode which brian is has a legitimate I know, podcast i know <laughs> I'm kind of geeking out, oh, but stop uh, it. he was the same way. He kind of came into the, he just thought it was a fascinating story about this guy, Chuck Zukowski, who was a UFO investigator. He had no prior knowledge of UFOs, pretty pretty much didn't think they existed or, you know, you know, sort of felt what everybody else feels about it. Uh, there's probably nothing there. Um, to have himself, after doing his book, be completely turned around 180, going n- not saying that, hey, I know for a fact there there was uh, you know aliens from another planet that that crashed off, but he said there is definitely something that happened at Roswell and a government co- conspiracy took place there, and it's uh, so that's what's great about that case. That's what's tangible is that you know so often people people be like UFOs, ah, they may be real, they may be not. Be like, no, there's <laughs> there's evidence there to look at. There's so much of it, in fact, that. That we know that it's an actual thing in existence. We don't know what it is. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we shout it from the rooftops as yeah. ufologists. There's there is evidence out there. And I think that really came to light this past year when we learned the Pentagon was secretly investigating right. UFOs yeah. Yeah, for like yeah, 10 yeah. years or so. Yeah. We didn't even know that. Like, no one in our niche community was looking into that. You know, we always yeah. presumed it. But... So what's your take on that? Because the thing that I kind of took away from that whole uh, thing, that was the, what, December 17th? Yeah. Last year, New York Times. Right around when we started this podcast. Yeah, it was like a month after we started. Synchronicity. You know, the thing that I found really fascinating about that, and and I want to hear your take, Ryan. Uh, You know, if you grow up reading this stuff, which I know you did, and we obviously were consuming UFO stuff growing up, you know, the whole thing is like, oh, the government knows, and they're keeping... It's the whole... uh, There's the narrative of... um, there's the, the the Bob Lazar narrative, which is we've got the machines. They're just keeping it a secret. Um, but what was fascinating about that article from the New York Times is it almost read to me as if, yes, the Air Force, the military know about these things, but they don't know what they are, mm-hmm. um, which contradicts the conspiracy stuff to to a degree. Um, and I just want to know, if do you think that that's the case? Do you think it's really they are just as stupefied as well? Or is it a, uh, an instance where, OK, the people at that level don't know, but there's people 
and uh, you know who have access to more classified information that that may know. Right. How do how do we live in a universe where the Roswell crash happened and they may have recovered bodies, and then in you know the past ten years, the Pentagon is like scraping together funding to kind of figure out what these flying tic tacs are? Yeah. You may not know. <laughs> like how how do those two worlds coexist in your mind? It's hard. I mean, you look at the narrative of someone like Bob Lazar, who's made the claims that he has, and you know we've, with, we've uh, had that debate on this show. Oh, I'm sure you have. Yeah. yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> Me too. Yeah, uh, I struggle with that whole scenario yeah. every day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, the the most recent documentary made was very convincing. I'm not going to lie. I learned a lot about Bob Lazar's person, and uh, I did leave thinking something definitely happened. He saw what he says he saw. Uh, what that actually was, I couldn't tell you. Right. It could have been part of some big disinformation campaign sure. or weird, you know, stuff like that mm-hmm. but mind mind control but uh when it comes to this whole pentagon program uh i i'm kind of under the same assumption as the new york times kind of concluded that the government doesn't know shit about yeah. ufos and i'm Which okay to me with makes that. so much more sense and so much more compelling yeah it, it's it's dark it's sexy to think like x-files is real and you know right. they they know they're working with the aliens you know there's this huge grand uh, conspiracy, uh, but from the research I've done, the military spe- people I've spoken to, mm-hmm. uh, government officials, uh, a lot of them said, I just did what I was told, and I did, I covered it up, or I did this. They don't know what they're actually dealing with, right. in my opinion. Yeah. yeah. But the one thing that I like to tell people is, they may not know what it is, or be in control of the phenomenon itself, but they can control the narrative that gets out there. Right. Yeah. And that's what we're trying to fight against. Right. Is don't let them tell you what happened. Look into it yourself because you're going to find stuff that they think you're not going to find, just like when it comes to Roswell. Well, right. And, and you know, as, as if you recall in that article, they actually they stopped funding uh, the program ATIP because of uh, lack of evidence and lack of interest in, 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 in Congress. And that just goes to show you that while they may be sort of gathering these data files, um, they can't put to go- together any sort of some conclusion as to what or who or why this thing is. So it's just kind of left as like, hey, guys, you have some interesting videos. Um, we see that you're, you know, doing some great field work, but, you know, we can't keep funding this, you know. Um, so obviously, it, I, I, I tend to agree with what you guys are saying. As, as far as my own personal research into what this thing or these things are, it seems to lead down a path that it's, you know, it's somewhat physical in nature, but at the same time, it's almost somewhat psychical in nature, uh, part of the psyche or part of consciousness. And then you you start to find leads where it's connected to uh, magical ceremonies or stuff like that, like old Aleister Crowley stuff. And, and, and you're going, uh, you, you cannot put this thing, this phenomena in a box. And, uh, and even if you are part of some $22 million, which is paltry in comparison to what they right. spend on one B2 bomber is about that same, uh, probably half that cost. You know what I mean? So there's, it's not like they're throwing a, a shit ton of money at this thing. They're just, they're interested because it keeps popping up. They're interested because materials are showing up, but I, well, and they're yeah. interested too, because, uh, like they mentioned, Harry Reid was like one of the re- ways he got that funded was there 
congressmen and senators who remember seeing stuff yeah, when they, they were, were pilots. fighting yeah. in wars. Yeah, and they're like, that's right. I used to see that shit when I was flying in Korea or yeah. I saw yep. that in Vietnam or I saw that in... You know, that stuff's fascinating. Well, I and the agree. word threat, I think, is a big part yeah. of it, too. You mm-hmm. put threat in your, like, proposal to get funding for the government, yep. they're going to look a lot closer at yeah. it and be like, yeah, all right, we'll give really you, good point. you know, some Trump change to look into that. Yeah. I think Harry was back in the news recently trying to drum up some more funding for yeah. uh, for, for programs this of these nature. This happens every time there's a government-funded UFO project, Project Blue Book, ATIP. Yeah. Whenever these things dissolve, the people in charge of them start their own UFO. UFO research mm-hmm. organizations. It happened with uh, J. Ellen Hynek, yeah, yeah. who headed Blue Book. It happened with Louis Elizondo with ATIP. And now maybe Harry Reid's going to start his own little that would be cool. thing. I'll yeah. join. Let's do it. Uh, let, me, let me ask you, Ryan, since we have you here, and I'm dying to, I mean, um, out of your years in, of research and stuff, where, where do you think this phenomena lies? I mean... What are you just your, jump straight to the conclusion? Yeah, ab- well, yeah no, I I want to know before the Cut, show ends. Skip like, to the end. You're probably skip wondering how I got here. What are, yeah. what are your instincts tell you this thing is? I'm still trying to figure it out. I I've come across so much physical evidence, you know, nuts and bolts craft being seen, all the way up to things you mentioned, very psychic, almost like consciousness aspects to all this as well. People having parapsychological events where they said they were told to look out their window and Mm -hmm. and they see something or uh, a craft that they saw cured an ailment that they... It's insane. Mm -hmm. Like, there's so much to this entire UFO phenomenon. What's up with the owls? Why do they always see (laughs) owls before an alien abduction? Crop circles, owls. uh, So much to it. So much. And then, you know, that's what I loved about... uh, And you mentioned uh, The Bob Lazar, uh, which was done by a filmmaker who uh, we've had on the show and we admire, Jeremy Corbell. He did his other documentary on Skinwalker Ranch. And what I love about that is it sort of puts all the phenomena together in a bowl of soup and mixes it around and says, hey, you know, these aren't com- compartmentalized uh, stories of high strangeness. You have UFOs mixed in with poltergeist uh, activity, poltergeist yeah. activity mixed in with native Bigfoot. ceremonial shamans, mixed in with yeah, bipedal creatures, <laughs> portals, and yeah. so you throw all this you know into a smorgasbord bag and go, and it's telling us you know, hey, this is all connected somehow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know, what do you think about that? The more I look into it, the more I'm convinced there are some sort of connections between all of this, the supernatural, paranormal, high strangeness, mm-hmm. UFOs. I, I interviewed uh, many individuals who had high strangeness activity after a UFO event or right. poltergeist. I have a crazy story about that in in the book, but I mean, it's there has to be some sort of connection whether or not it's you know they're working together uh, mm-hmm. bigfoot's coming off a ufo that i can't tell you yeah but the more i look into it the more i'm convinced that's happening it's hard because we want to think it's just ufos over here just paranormal activity over here and it's frustrating because just when you think you have an answer to this ufo phenomenon like something else swoops in and is like you're not done like keep going down this avenue owls that's a big one big big one so many people have had owl sightings connected to a ufo case you know i spoke to a gentleman who's in the book as well who just collects these stories about people and owls thousands and 
thousands it's of And the owl stuff is also connected to fairy yeah. folklore. Yeah. Like up to the most, like a very modern, I mean, recently modern example, <clears throat> Labyrinth is yeah. like Jareth is, is uh, preceded David Bowie's character before the baby is abducted by the goblins. Yeah. yeah. His visit is preceded by a white owl. The whole thing opens with the white owl. They're like the threshold <laughs> gatekeeper to this other world. Well, and then we we're talking about, you know, Planet Planet Weird's new documentary series called Hellier and uh, what seems to be a reoccurrence or reemergence of the Hopkinsville Goblin, oh, which is also associated with UFOs. I, I, I forget the re- name of the original family, but uh, it oh, was the Billy. Suttons. Yeah, the Suttons. The, uh, it was Billy yeah. Ray who had, had first saw a disc, a, a saucer shaped disc with lights, yeah, who came a, into his family's uh, cabin and said, I just saw something. They're like, oh, the bullshit. Rain, it had Billy like Ray. a rainbow contrail. <laughs> right. Behind they're like, it. bullshit, Billy Ray. Half hour later, <laughs> shit starts knocking yeah. on their window. Though, you know, grab the rifle. Uh, yeah, yeah. But so then you have these type of creatures, which which come off very like um, elfish or fairyish in a trickster sort of yeah. world, coming from caves and sort of like you know, uh, you know. I think it's it was the Monagishi, yeah, the Native Americans. You know, and it was talk about the d- little people up in. It's Canada very and, true, and mm-hmm. you know, Jacques mm-hmm. Vallée sort of made. Uh, well, made the assumption off of his own sort of hypothesis that, you know, somehow these things are all sort of related and interpreted through a, a culture and a society of wherever you are at in a time and place. And uh, what was always interesting about his sort of analysis or conclusion that this was some sort of spiritual or some sort of mechanical control mechanism, which leads ones down a whole other path. Like, is there some intelligence like you know, interfering in the in human society, pushing us and prodding us, mm. and moving us to this like you know almost pre Hellenistic like prophecy of the Messiah coming. Like you know, people <laughs> yeah. like I'm getting wind of something. Right. You know, something's coming down the pike. You know, it's yeah, very it. strange. It's interesting. If you open my bag right now, I've got Jacques Vallée's Re- Revelations in my bag. There you go. <laughs> yeah. So how did you yeah. get to this point? What's your personal paranormal history? I know you've had a sighting, and we'd love to hear about that. Yeah, I, I had a UFO sighting when I was a kid uh, in upstate New York. What happened? I was fishing off a dock. It was night. I was at a motel with my parents. Uh, it's like an hour or two away from where we lived in Syracuse, New York, and uh, I I was, I was listening to Green Day on my mm-hmm. uh, my discman, so that brings wow. you back in the time period. And I, uh, you know, I'm getting my line in, and I see three white lights in the water. So I start like looking down. I didn't know if something was down underneath there underneath the water. Underneath the water. Wow. Uh, the dumbass twelve year old I was, I didn't realize it was a reflection. So I <laughs> look up, and there's the three white lights wow. in the air. There was a sort of red, hazy light in the middle very prototypical of these triangular ufo sightings um i didn't see like a machine or any structure right it was just the formation of lights how how big like you lifted up your hand yeah i mean my hand Did you cover it just about okay yeah i would say i mean high up it was high up yeah i mean i i don't know how big it truly could have been it started going over the water heading towards canada which was literally on the other side of this river i was fishing off of and i actually yelled for my dad to come out he saw it so i mean right there i had another witness i wasn't alone in this uh he saw it as it was going over the water and he we didn't say anything for like solid minute or so Mm. and then he just goes it was a it was a plane Let's wow. go inside. Right. Um, yeah. But 
after that, I was terrified and I became obsessed and started taking out books on everything. UFOs, Do you think cryptids. he wow. said that because he was skeptical or because he didn't want to freak you out? I don't know. I, yeah. I, I've asked him, and a lot of the time he either just doesn't want to talk about it, or he. the more I get into this, the more he's starting to realize it might it not work. have been a plane. <laughs> right. yeah. okay. His fatherly duties <laughs> right, had failed right. him. I'm but, bad. Uh, I got to put a button on this. Yeah. It's a plane. Let's go eat yeah, your dinner. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Didn't work. Maybe he worked for the government. Didn't I don't work, know. yeah. <laughs> yeah probably would have yeah. been better off saying, eh, probably some... Anomalous alien craft. Let's go eat dinner. Yeah. Uh, Did he know I'd be a past guest and Bigfoot Collectors Club family member, uh, Grace Mitchell, Mm -hmm. who's Riley's uh, girlfriend? Yes. Uh, yes. I'm just, I don't want to talk about your personal significant part. Do you concur? Um, (laughs) She saw a black triangle ship with her mother when she was younger Mm -hmm. and outside uh, up in Oregon. Mm -hmm. Ooh. Um, Okay. Yeah. We'd have to talk to her. Yeah. Yeah, you really should talk it's to her. It's awesome. Pretty well. an, inter- um, an interesting part of- can go hear that story on, on Grace's episode. Yeah, an interesting part of her story and so many of other stories, when, when we asked her, like, did you think this thing was aware of your presence? She said, oddly enough, I do. And do you feel like that this, this craft that you saw was aware of your presence? Or do you feel that you were part of this observance field? Like, uh, yeah. was there an interaction there? Right, right. I mean... For me, in retrospect, mm. I could say mm, there might have been an intelligence behind what was up there mm-hmm. uh, that it it knew I was watching it. Yeah. So many people have told me that that it was too obvious mm-hmm. that they wanted to be seen. They mm-hmm. wanted to invoke a reaction from it was the witness. For you, right? Uh, for me, I don't know. I was so alone in that moment, yeah. and I had weird physiological effects. I I felt like I couldn't move. Um, mm. Like I had a weird vibration going through my body whether it was to do with the thing in the air or i was just fucking terrified you know i I don't i couldn't tell you yeah but um for me it it changed my life yeah obviously if if they meant to do it i mean job well done what do you think about i think it's bigelow's theory that's in the 37th parallel it's mentioned in passing from what I recall, that the black triangles are like electromagnetic blimps, that which is the ri- which is ridiculous. Militaries, yeah. experimental craft from the military, and I respect Ooh. whatever Bigelow's theories and ideas are on these things because obviously he's someone who's at the cusp of of, of his fingertips on this stuff. I mean, he's a private. Uh, entrepreneur in the space industry, and most of that twenty-two million dollars was allocated to his uh, BAS, which is Bigelow Advanced Aerospace Space Studies. So he got most of that funding, and apparently, it's in his hands uh, where those anomalous metamaterials are. Um, but at the same time, his idea on on that these things are just blimps uh that the well, government those made. specifically right well, i think mm-hmm. the black triangle specifically it doesn't, not it, all... does, it doesn't hold up to scrutiny and i'll tell you why the first case i would go to are the phoenix lights where people would tell you that this thing was so Di- but different different craft those are boomerang shaped triangle triangular shaped right. craft black triangles you know what i mean and mm-hmm. i guess what you're saying is that the phoenix lights were more boomerang they were origin. boomerang shaped almost like and then like the a lights chevron were almost, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Interesting. And the ones that are the triangles with the three lights and the the red light in the center are supposed to be the military craft. That's Inter- what I saw. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. at least formation wise. Right. Yeah. Okay. Well, that, so I was going to say that doesn't that doesn't hold water with the the Phoenix lights testimony. And I guess if you're right, if it is more of the boomerang that 
that I'm looking at because that was a multitude of crabs. That yeah, which is yeah. What's and there was like a mile wide one on yeah. that. Yeah, and one you could too, see through people, them. Right. You could see through yeah. them. Yeah. Well, I mean, to, you know, to play devil's advocate with the blimp thing, I I've had so many reports of people seeing those, you know, delta shaped or mm-hmm. chevron shaped blimps as they were uh, dart off at breakneck speed. Yeah. So right. how you can explain a blimp doing that? I don't know. Maybe or, we well, have that technology. And I maybe think we don't. in Grace's case, they saw that thing shoot off. Yeah. Fast, yeah, yeah, like crazy using also approach fast. Yeah, thought, it went far away and then a quick approach and it was right overhead. Yeah. And then yeah. it went off again. To me, what's the point of making it a blimp then? Yeah, yeah. The, right. Their sole <laughs> purpose. When is, is the blimp float. not a blimp? And yeah. So, <laughs> so many of the triangular case study too often reports that that the orbs that make up the in, the, the, the the three uh, mm-hmm. lights they can separate and reform the craft. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So that they're. You know, it's not some sort. I just, I don't know. Yeah, it's fascinating that he would say that. But um, yeah, very interesting. You know, I know in your documentary you were able to analyze some anomalous material, and and uh, we don't want to give away too much of that. But in in the book Thirty uh, Seventh Parallel, you know, Chuck Zukowski uh, was able to get a hold of some uh, material too. It seemed very similar to the stuff that you guys. Yeah, had. It seemed very similar. similar, and he sent it off to. Uh, you know, he he couldn't afford the funding to get it analyzed, so he sort of put out a call, um, which Bigelow responded. His company responded, and they were the ones that actually grabbed his piece of metal material. And uh, held on to it for analysis, not to give it back. So obviously, which lets us know he was very interested in that in that material. Um, you got to get Bigelow on your podcast. <laughs> I'm trying. That guy, that I am trying. So interesting. <laughs> he is so interesting, isn't it? Just but, trying man. to hit him with those tweets. That's the only way you can do it. <laughs> but you know, I would say the same thing. How we talked about the government, he probably knows just as much as everybody else, which is just speculation and 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 gut instinct and hearsay. I don't think anybody has um, a foothold into what this, I'm calling it the phenomena is now. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think it's just, uh, you know, I went down the rabbit hole with, uh, from Planet Weird's thing, you know, I don't want to give too much away, but as the time you're, this this podcast airs, you'll be able to catch it for free, and I recommend that you do. Uh, but part of that email chain that was so cryptically sent to them, and they said, you know, through that that to doctor- give it a little context, yeah, uh, the guys at Planet Weird got an email from a man, a Doctor David Christie, yeah, claiming that his house, his wife, and his kids were being harassed by a group of what looked like uh, alien greys yeah. that he believed were coming out of a an abandoned mine shaft near his property on Kentucky, on which is so interesting because. The Hopkinsville Goblin case, the what the how those there were so many witnesses to those said goblins. They described this guy David Christie and was describing the exact same type of creature, mm-hmm. and he was able to provide footprint, photographic evidence, and also photographic evidence of one peering behind a tree, which gives off this yellow glowish haze. Yeah. Which, if you remember in the original Hopkinsville reports, it said they were glowing yellow entities. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there were some differences. They also floated. In right. the Hopkinsville case, and we'll, I, we'll touch about that maybe but what, in a minute. And they had big ears, but I like the idea. The, the the documentary puts forth the idea that maybe the what was they thought were ears was actually some type of 
apparatus around the head. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah. I, I love the work Greg and Dana do. Yeah, if there's anyone who should look into that case, it's them. Without uh, a doubt. Yeah, for sure. They, they've they been colleagues and friends for a long time. And when I learned that they were looking into that case, like the resurgence of Hopkinsville, I was like, I'm too scared. I don't want to go out <laughs> and scary. see these goblins. It's pretty scary. And just apparently the they saw the some window. stuff. Yeah. Wow. So I'm looking forward to that. It's great. Well, what I was going to say is, you know, so uh, apparently they're, they, they said how they got um, this David guy, David Christie, how they got Planet Weird's emails through a mutual friend named Terry R. Wrist. Now, when you look into that name, uh, the only place that you could find it is in a guy named Alan H. Greenfield's book, The Secret Cipher of the Euphonauts, and also in another book he did, The Secrets of the Men in Black, uh, The Secret Rituals of the Men in Black. Now, I would re- I read as soon as I saw this, di- I, w- I, I grabbed those books off the internet and I gobbled them up. Dude, you got to read some Philip K. Dick, man. Like, you have not read any Philip K. You would fucking... It's all Philip K. Dick. Yes, that's right. They talk about Philip K. Dick in in, in Alan Greenfield's book. And and his sort of theory is that that throughout time, um, magicians and things like this use ciphers. And and what this thing is, is through Aleister Crowley, I'm not, you know... Aleister. Aleister Crowley, he was able to, in his... uh, in his book that he got through an alien source, so he says, Lamb. In, the, in the pyramid. Of, well, this would have been Iwas. Oh, okay. At the pyramid of Giza, that he. Oh, right. That How his dare wife, you mix those? You're confusing <laughs> your satanic aliens. That his, when he was that, also like his wife translated this masturbating book into, to pictures of Toth. Yeah, to the right. <laughs> I mean, a lot of masturbation. There's a lot here. Stuff. I guess what I but he got this uh, through his book of law. Right, and then right. through there, he said in this, in this, in these sort of transcribings that there was a cipher. Anyway, long story short, Alan Greenfield was said to um, there was other people that deciphered this cipher, and that they used these these big cases, like uh, for instance, names like Ingrid Cold to like mm-hmm. run against the cipher and find out more pertinent information. I don't know. I guess I'm just saying it's, it's real like, nerdy, it's, real it, fast. It's fa- and we don't know if any of these people are actually real people. Well, we know Alan <laughs> so, Greenfield is No, real. but like David Christie's, no, no one in town knows about that guy. Terry Wrist is <sighs> I'm uh, fascinated. clearly a, a, it's a misnomer. pseudonym. Yeah, a pseudonym. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, but we don't know who these people are. They could and if I'm wrong, be... they've never heard from this individual again. No, right? yeah, yeah no. at least not in the first two episodes of the, of okay. the show. Okay. But um, anyway, I want to get to some of this uh, other fun stuff. Yeah. Uh, before we do that, we have a game we like to play with our guests called Bullshit or Believe It. Oh, yeah. Ooh, nice. Where we go down a list <laughs> in rapid fire style. Ooh. You're going to say bullshit. If you don't buy it, okay. Believe it if you do. I might get some heat for this. Right. Oh, that's fine. <laughs> and you know, we we purposely give you no in between. So uh, you know, sometimes you kind of got to be like, mm, you don't believe it, you know? Or, yeah. Mm, All right. Are you ready? Let's do it. On your mark, get set, ghosts. Real. Believe it. Believe it. UFOs. <laughs> believe it. Bigfoot. Believe it. Angels. Bullshit. Gnomes. Bullshit. Fairies. Believe it. Unicorns. Bullshit. Loch Ness Monster. Believe it. Alien Greys. Believe it. Parallel Universes. Believe it. Uh, Mermaids. Bullshit. Why are you looking at me? I'm sorry. (laughs) No reason. Heaven. Uh, uh, I said no to angels, but I'm going to say believe. Hell. Bullshit. Dragons. Believe. Yeti. Believe. 
Elves. Bullshit. ESP. Believe. Chupacabra. Believe. Demons. Bullshit. Atlantis. According to Aquaman, believe it. (laughs) (laughs) Life on other planets. Believe it. World peace. Want to believe in it. Peace in the multiverse. Believe it. Cool. Well awesome. done. Well yeah. done. Yeah. Ready to go. You passed. Right. Good. Good. I passed. Good. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so no on gnomes. Yes on uh, fairies. Yeah, yeah. Um, the only reason for that is uh, uh, folklore, in my opinion. Uh, I-, I can see a lot of trace elements of the whole fairy uh, right. fey thing within the evolution of accounts of greys and aliens yeah. so that's what i find fascinating right know? elves just scare the shit out of me yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. for sure what's uh, with the clown thing right like sometimes in have you ever like uh for instance the, you went uh, from fairies to clowns, clowns. Clown, yeah like clown elves? yeah no clown oh aliens. you mean the people you mean the people who were dressing up like creepy clowns like oh, a few years yeah, ago it, yeah, yeah like in fairy lore and also like uh no 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 i was talking like in the oh. so the aerial school phenomenon i'm sure you're familiar with that case it took oh, place in, yeah uh, but some of those students described uh, whatever those entities that uh, were outside the craft wearing, like you know, what what appeared to be clown outfits. What? You're not I don't familiar remember with that. this? Oh, we did the episode, but I don't remember yeah. them dressed as well, clowns. Well, and, and sometimes in fairy lore, too, in in two, right? They seem to be wearing like the pointed hats. Well, with, they like... dress like gnomes, yeah, with the <laughs> lo- like the tall, pointy right. red caps that like garden gnomes wear. And then we did the gnome episode where that one family. Yeah. Uh, claimed two two separate families uh, who did not know each other claimed to be terrorized by what looked like a gnome. Uh, My excitement has me all shed. over the place. <laughs> that I well, so that's so. a good point, though. The Rua Zimbabwe case, the aerial school. I've spoken to several of the witnesses, yeah. uh, and they all had different experiences right. and perceptions of right. what they were seeing. And I think that plays into that control mechanism of the phenomena. Without a that doubt, you see what you want. We're going to show you what we want. Mm-hmm. Owls too. This whole idea mm-hmm. of screen memory. Like you can't handle what we actually are. We're going to kind of relate it to something. The clown thing, maybe they, from all their experiments and observations of us, clowns are supposed to be happy. They're right. supposed yeah. to, you know, make They're us... They're trying yeah. to... There's that, uh, there's the thing, uh, we did, uh, we did the story of, uh, uh, Woodrow, Darren Berger, and Indrid Cole, the, mm-hmm. that, that main encounter, mm-hmm. um, over on the Patreon, so you guys can check that out if you're, uh, supporters of the show, and we'll do a bigger episode of Indrid Cole at some point, uh, down the line, but... There was a, when I was doing my research for that, they were talking about how Indrid Cold, who got out of a craft and approached a traveling salesman one night on a rainy road, uh, was said to be grinning. And they thought that one of the theories behind why this entity was grinning was he was sort of like, this is how people are supposed to look friendly, right? But like overdid it a little bit, like (laughs) smiled a little too big. And so it gave it that creepy, like, no, 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 take it. You're at a 10. Take it down to about a six. But I love that idea of them trying to be like, what what gestures do I do to kind of like not because he kept saying Andrew Cole's whole thing was like don't be afraid don't be afraid it's like well don't look so much like the fucking Joker and maybe (laughs) you know it's almost like they don't have a real sense sometimes they seem to have a real sense of humor and a real sense of irony whatever these higher entities are and then sometimes they just don't at all which is what the picture I have for you on your on whenever you call I have that picture of your that what's that comic you did where it's the Joker coming out oh I did so so I wrote uh, when I when we finished doing, I was in the DC Writers Workshop, and they put out the DC New Talent Showcase, 
And I had written a larger script, and then they only let you do eight pages of it. But there was a script that I had written for the class that um, that one of the this villain that I was introducing was based on Indrid Cold and Superman entity, uh, Superman villain. But uh, it's yeah, so good. I'll, we'll have to I'll put that, I'll, up, I'll put on that up. Yeah, I'll put it up on the Instagram. But, All right, cool. we're gonna take a quick yeah. break. When we come back, we're gonna go through some of the old BCC case files, and we're gonna talk to. Uh, we're gonna get Ryan's take on them. If I can shut up, <laughs> <laughs> you're the one who's got to get out of here soon. <laughs> So I thought in in uh, lieu of uh, high strangeness this week, I thought it would be fun to go over some of our old stories of high strangeness with Ryan and get his take. We've already talked a little bit about um, the aerial school <laughs> phenomenon and Hopkinsville uh, goblins. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite stories uh, of all time is the Flatwoods monster. Yeah. Story 1952. This is in the middle or on the tail end of the huge UFO flap happening uh, around the DC area and on the East Coast. And uh, as we talked about on the show, this is the boys are outside their school. It's the sun's going down, and they see a fireball shoot overhead and land on the hillside. Um, now, some stories say that this was a UFO that was shot down by the Air Force in an aerial battle uh, that was happening over our nation's skies during this uh, flying saucer flap. But they go up the hill with one of the boys' mothers, and they encounter a noxious gas, and this giant, almost robotic-like creature appears before them, and they freak out and, and run away. Mm. Um, what do you think about the Flatwoods? What's, what's your take on that story? That's a really interesting case. Uh, I, I still struggle with it till today because the witness accounts were so vastly different in terms of like what this creature was. Some said it was robotic. Some said it had like slithery reptile-like skin. Um, what I keep coming back to is the actual crash of the object itself. So many people in the town at the time said they could feel like their houses rumbling mm-hmm. when this happened. So right there, I mean, you've got corroborating evidence that something crashed there for sure. That's That's like been definitively proven i believe yeah uh, in terms of these accounts of a creature uh, a lot of people are skeptical because it was all children who saw this i believe there's one adult there was yeah. a couple the there's like two 18 year old boys one yeah. of who was a national guard kid. okay you know the, they always like to try to be like that's some credibility Make it more credible and then yeah. uh the the, the boy's mother the mo- as well yeah. one of the boy's mother i always love it when like somebody sees something and they run to get somebody else to bring him back and then they see it too. I'm yeah, like, that's yeah, yeah. really good right. triangulation. That's evidence. like when you wake up from a dream and you're like, that was a good dream. I got to go back and sleep <laughs> and get back in that dream. And then you do and you're like, awesome. It's right. a good point though because a lot of people say, if you're having a UFO sighting, why aren't you taking photos of it? That's mm-hmm. the one question I always get. Why don't we have more photographic evidence? At least in my position as a 12 year old first of all i didn't have a cell phone back then but second of all like the last thing on your mind is to document this for the public it's a very personal experience and oftentimes very quick yeah i mean yeah they're just uh, not following the same instagram accounts i am (laughs) because i have a feeling some of those are doctored hey 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 bryce be like look at this i'm like buddy that's a CGI. I want to believe. <laughs> yeah, the um, AI is taking. I over. like the theory that the Flatwoods monster was sort of the. It was the suit for the entity and was hovering around in it. Because later, um, oh gosh, I'm blanking on his name. The author who wrote the book on the Flatwoods monster, Frank. Uh, 
Frank Hughes? Mm, oh, boy. I should know this. I should know this, too. Uh, I'll figure it Edwards? out. Edwards? No. no. Uh, anyway, um, there there was supposedly a couple driving down the road that night, later that night, who saw a reptilian alien from the waist up and then what they call that metallic skirt that yeah. shot out the gas yeah, from yeah, the yeah. waist down. So he'd kind of been like flying around the wo- hovering around the woods <laughs> in this thing. But isn't that interesting. another interesting aspect of this sort of phenomena thing too is like the technology is is like just outside of what would be normal. Like if something can traverse uh, light years of deep space and come here and end up in like a beep boop bop yeah, type clunky, yeah. you're, Trash going, can. you're going wait what the fuck that doesn't vibe you know what Frank, I mean Frank uh, yeah. Fashino Jr. is Frank. his name oh yeah. well, okay. yeah. well that's a good point too I mean a lot of people ask me because I covered Roswell like if it was alien and there was some higher intelligence that was able to transverse time and space to get to our universe they fuck up the minute they get into our atmosphere and crash. Right. Like, how dumb can they actually be? Mm-hmm. You know, so clearly it was something man-made that yeah. crashed or was found, blah, blah, blah. But it's it's a very interesting question. A lot of people also ask, if they are so highly intelligent, they're not, they're, they want to help us. They're, they're, you know, they're not, they're benevolent. Well, and that make that brings me to another uh, theory is like you have uh, guys like Tom DeLong and his To the Stars Academy. And I read his book, uh, Gods in War, uh, book one, and he seems to be of the theory of the proponent that some of these crashes are intentional from the beings so that they can leave behind some sort of technology well, that can... I would also know. propose this, too. Like, just look at how tricky it was for us to get to the moon and land on the moon. And then you have things like Apollo 13, where these, you know, where NASA, you have a whole team of scientists behind you and things can go wrong at any minute. It's a very delicate thing. So imagine if you're a being who is going to travel, let's say, into another dimension, Mm -hmm. right? (laughs) Perhaps one that is even a lower dimension. Imagine if we could figure out a way to be like, you know what? Let's get down into a comic book or let's get down into a painting. Let's get down into the second dimension. You know, obviously that's impossible. uh, But let's just imagine for a moment if we were getting into dropping down into a lower dimension, how disorienting that might be how uh something that is a fifth dimensional object or fifth dimensional science suddenly being limited to physics in a third dimension and how that might make shit go wrong i don't know you know what i mean so we there's there's a whole there are all these other rules behind you know uh whatever you know astronaut or whatever being is trying, you know, that that could affect a lot can this. go wrong. A lot yeah. can go wrong. You yeah. know, I don't know. Who knows? Because we don't even know what we're really dealing with. No. Well, right? they but- say they say our cell phones have more technological prowess than the Apollo uh, Apollo lunar land or landing module did back then. So. By a long shot. <laughs> By a long wow. shot. Yeah. yeah, which is insane to think about. And you know, a lot of people also think that iPhones came about the technology 
from the Roswell UFO right. crash. So, yeah. We've all got a little Roswell in our hey, how about How about this case? I know you have five on your phone, but I'm going to jump in with one. Speaking of since you spotted something fishing, a couple guys also spotted something. This was something my next one. Fishing in Pascagoula, so Mississippi. Oh, the yeah. Pascagoula Close Encounter, one of my other favorites. And I'm convinced the inspiration for the UFO and the artificial intelligence in uh, Flight of the Navigator. Since uh, we said. Right. Same I, I shape UFO that, yeah. and... And the guy, uh, Calvin, what's the guy's name? Uh, Parker. Parker? Par- yeah. Uh, who said that this eye, this sort of arm mm. with an eyeball came out of the wall and, you know, did a right. sort of body scan. It looks yeah. a lot like that alien. That is a disturbing case. The so what do you relationship think between Hollywood and UFOs is extremely uh, interesting. Um, I, I dive into that a lot into my work as well of the influence on which came first. Yeah. You know, yeah. the UFO topic and phenomenon or Hollywood uh, giving us these stories. Uh, Pascagoula definitely came first. Yeah. So with Pascagoula, I, I have spoken to the witnesses and wow. uh, one of them, I mean, one of them passed away. Yeah. But um, I firmly believe something happened. When it comes to the alien abduction phenomenon, I'm still very skeptical. Mm -hmm. I can say that uh, flat out. I've interviewed hundreds of people who've claimed it. Uh, There's a few core cases that I firmly think something happened, whether it was physical abduction into a craft, I I can't say. But with those guys, it just, when you hear those audio tapes that were privately oh, done. Oh, the ones that the cops that the recorded. Cops did, yeah. They... Uh, well, you can't really argue that. They didn't know they were being recorded. Right. They're in this, like, interrogation room, and they're so... Charles Hickson and Calvin Parker. What Ryan's talking about, I love this part of the story, is that the officers who interviewed them, they had an idea. They left them alone in a room with an open microphone saying, all right, if these guys are fooling around, we're going to find out right about now. And what happened was the exact opposite of what they thought was going to happen. Calvin starts panicking again, and they're both, you know, trying to get a hold of grasp of reality, saying, I can't believe we saw... He's like, did you see how that door just (laughs) appeared? Did you see that? He's like, I did. I didn't know what to think. Well, and this is also Mississippi. Like, these are guys, they're humble. Yeah. They don't want to talk about, about this stuff. They don't want the recognition. Mm-hmm. They don't want to be God famous, yeah. which a lot of people do. I can't argue that. I come across that all the time. Mm-hmm. Well, these guys, like, they told their story because they wanted some explanation, hoping they could get one. And uh, then they didn't talk about it for a really, really long time. Yeah, and it really seems like, especially in Cal- Calvin. Parker had like a real hard time with it. Yeah, he did. And in later interviews, he's kind of come out and he's get attributed some more religious aspects to it because I feel like he's someone who struggled with, um, with, with, you know, the, the okay, if they're aliens, what does that mean about my religious beliefs? You right, know, yeah. trying to bring those, you so bring you up another see good him point. fighting those two things in his that's mind. That's not the only case. I where, think that really made made for kind of a breakdown for him. And his, but you bring up another good point. That's not the only case where something came out of the sky and something came out of a craft and somebody interpreted as uh, religious or spiritual. You know what I mean? You look at... Uh, you know, uh, the Ezekiel's wheel and the, from the Bible. And, so, you know, you have all these other kind of elements of like, or even other cases, I can't think of them off the tip of right. my tongue, but where people interpret them spiritually. You well, know? you can oh, certainly interpret like whatever is going on or went on with Whitley Strieber 
Like, that was some apocalyptic shit. That was mm-hmm. some Book of Revelation shit, because yeah. he kept talking about how they were like, the end of the world is coming kind of stuff. It was right. very biblical, even though the entities weren't necessarily... Uh, I The iconography of the entities weren't necessarily religious. The message seemed yeah. to be mm-hmm. one, of course. The, the idea of spirituality, religion, and UFOs has uh, always been an interesting subtopic for me, you know, Religion is belief. Belief mm-hmm. in UFOs could be considered religion. Mm-hmm. Uh, there have been many UFO cults yeah. that have popped out of that. Uh, but at the same time, you have something like the the Fatima sightings of the Virgin yeah. Mary. Yeah. Uh, th- a lot of people, including Jacques Vallée, interpret that as a UFO sighting. Yeah, right. Cylindrical. Mass sightings, Mass, too. Mass. Yeah. So yeah. many people saw it. Yeah, so hundreds of people. They could be connected. You know, I know I, a lot of people, that might be the last resort for them. It's It's... For me, it's whatever lens you look at your experience right. through. If you're a religious person, it might be miraculous. Well, and I think that so many cases we see, especially in the 60s, there's something going on there um, where like, you take, is it Frank Strange who wrote about Valiant Thor? Yeah, that's right. That, you know, there's a lot of guys, and, and Woodrow Derenberger, too. There seems to be a movement happening in the mid like to late 60s as culture's really taking a shift where science fiction is becoming science reality where we're taking off and trying to get to the moon we're going into space you see the sort of you can almost trace with the finger where um where the breakdown between the old school religious uh like iconography ends and UFOs begin and before Kenneth Arnold's sight, sighting in what is it forty? That was uh, was that fifty? No, that was, it was forty-seven. It was, it was around. The same it, was, it was right before Roswell. Like months before, yeah, even weeks maybe. That they talked wow. about how when people would see strange lights in the sky, they would think of it as a miracle or as a religious uh, experience. And then in the 60s, you're starting to go flying saucers, nuts and bolts, aliens. And so you see a guy like Frank Strange. I think he was really making an attempt to go, okay, we're going to lose Jesus here. So how do I come up with something that's going to marry Jesus (laughs) with the flying saucers? Let's create a space Jesus named Valiant Thor who comes from inside Venus and is going to try. You know, you can see their minds trying to like make influenced by science fiction at the time sort of pulpy science fiction stuff at you know trying to like how do we how do we save religion and put it into a new mm-hmm. context you know it's it's, so it's a repackaging it is it a repackaging really is. yeah whether they know it or not whether they're conscious of what they're this is what they're doing or not it seems to be that that's what's behind a lot of this stuff um we talked about um psychoactive or uh, telekinetic activity and poltergeist activity in in relation to UFO abductions. Uh, one of the stories that I did research on was the Deborah Jordan Cobble story, the Copley Woods incident. Oh, yeah. And yeah. where a lot of it seemed to be childhood stuff, abductions, but she had some strange thing happen in her backyard one night yeah, and uh, scorched earth and entities. And then for um, 
weeks after that experience, there was uh, orbs in the house. There was there was uh, mm. uh, uh, poltergeist activity. That's a really we- it was weird, weird. That's a real high strangeness yeah, case. That one's really out there. Yeah, where you're like, okay, is she experiencing some sort of brain activity, or is there something, you know? Is there something really, really to this? Have you delved yeah. into that one much? A little bit. Uh, the Copley Woods, um, I I briefly interviewed Bud Hopkins, the gentleman who right. wrote that book, wow. uh, before he passed away. And uh, it was always a fascinating case. Again, trace evidence with <laughs> scorched earth. That's yeah. the stuff we live for. So yeah. that was interesting. I tied it to a case that happened when I was living in New York City at the time, uh, many years later, to the uh, Linda Cortillo Oh, my case. gosh. Is it the Napolitano? Yes, yes. That is fucking crazy. That yeah. I I've tried to do that story for the podcast, and I start getting scared every time I dive into it. It creeps me out. Creeps me out. That we tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, I'll I'll run through it briefly. It's a woman uh, was apparently taken out of her bedroom in like a twelfth floor apartment in the mm-hmm. middle of Manhattan, middle of the night, and floated through a solid window and brought up into a craft and abducted. Now, I mean, to me, that's, for me, that's complete bullshit when I hear just that part of the story. But you had witnesses on the Brooklyn Bridge at the time who saw a figure going up a into the sky. A beam of light. Oh it God. was insane. And, and alien two, two grays that were supposedly curled yeah, up in the fetal her. position going up with her. It's insane. Yeah, and you were going to mention oh, the witnesses, right? A couple police right? officers in a car. Yep. That, yeah. These and were not just like everyday people. With her. Yeah, it and was a little the, weird. It was a little weird. And then supposedly a UN ambassador and his security detail. Yep. Yeah. And then there was another woman who was like, saw it from another angle and she thought they were fil- filming some sci-fi yep. movie. She was like, they're making a movie. They're like, she was like, how do they do that? Wow. That is probably the first thing people think when they see, have a UFO sighting is, especially here in LA. Sure. It's like, Oh, it's, they're just filming something. But and then the, the craft went down into the river. Apparently. And then, yeah. So I did a special episode Insane. on that um, where Linda actually had some commentary about what had happened. And oh it's a God, crazy story. Yeah. Uh, uh, it's just, I, I don't know what to make of it. The whole abduction right. phenomenon in general is something I'm still I trying mean, to do. Because you have Dr. With. Greer touting that that was uh, an ARV, which stands for an alien reproduction vehicle that, 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 ki- you know, kidnapped or abducted. Linda and used it as a as, as a means to kind of stymie this UN uh, conference that was supposed to be <laughs> yeah, taking that, place. Now we're getting into real yeah. sure tinfoil. Yeah, yeah, I know. I <laughs> tin can't. Foil territory. No comment. No tin, <laughs> now you're going down tinfoil alley. <laughs> I have. To, I know. I have to. I, go I, look, I have no. I have no qualms being I like saying, I don't. I don't buy anything no. that Greer says. So I have to go pick up my kids. Unfortunately, like Riley said, they'd you be, have to uh, go abduct your own children. They'd, yes. they'd be a little upset if I missed them talking about UFOs. Ryan, would you like to come with me? <laughs> Can, I Can you just you ride along me? in the car? I don't know. If you told them any of the stories we talked about, they might not want me in the car. Oh man! So I have to say goodbye. Wow! Thank you so much, man. I like really I respect pleasure. and appreciate what you do, and I and I'm I'm so excited for your future in this field. I think we we need guys like you and well, what, what you. do you are a clubhouse member for eternity come back and visit us again soon man oh my pleasure thank uh, you for having me yeah and uh yeah i'm a big fan as well so Good. we need well, all the, these types of shows we can get to oh. legitimize this stuff so I want well, you're not going anywhere yet we're gonna wrap I'm not this done. Yeah, I know I'm not finish done. up with i need yeah. a picture so let's get a picture <laughs> real quick we'll hit pause right, we'll take here. a break we'll be right back 
Riley, I like your uh, your analogy of injured Cold's uh, smile. Oh, you were yeah. saying, yeah. So I was, what you guys were talking about, I was just thinking, like, that's exactly how I feel at a party. I'm like, <laughs> is this what people do with their faces? I'm having a nice time. Where should I put my hands? <laughs> what do you call this? What is this thing we are at? Drink now. A gathering. <laughs> um, I'm excited because last time I talked about this case, we know it sort of uh, went south with our guest, who is still a good guy. But um, I'm fascinated by the Zanfretta abductions. And I know you are not a big abduction. Well, not necessarily you're not a big one, but this is... Uh, are you familiar with the this? It's a case from Italy in the 70s. The security guard who was working at yeah. like a, a private villa and these giant reptilian aliens supposedly took him away, but they kept finding him like outside his car in a ditch. The car was always hot, even though it was cold and raining. They could always, there was all this sort of real case of high strangeness. Yeah. This stuff is wild. It's all over the place, but it is one of those where you're like, something was going on here i I mean especially with the whole like i keep coming back to trace evidence if you have like a car that's like the steel is almost you can't even touch it like clearly something happened um waking up in a ditch i know a lot of people that do that for human reasons but um (laughs) well a lot of these stories too and we kind of talked about this on the patreon i mean part of the injured cold story with woody derenberger's Mm -hmm. is a lot of it feels really sad to me because there's an undertone to it that you could read you could read it from one angle and go okay this guy's having an interaction with with some sort of higher dimensional being you could also look at it from the other point of like this guy is losing his mind and he's going on drastic alcoholic benders and just disappearing for times you know what i mean it's like yeah. it, and it 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 is and i think we're remiss to you know it's tough because on one end we always say on the show like you know we're kind of like the ghostbusters we're we're ready to believe you but, the, but we also have to be responsible and go you know a lot of this especially the stuff from the 50s and 60s when we look back they read almost like oh this guy was having real mental health problems and just no one really knew how yeah. to put that into context it's not saying that someone's crazy it's just saying that someone needed a little bit of help that their reality was getting a little been out of shape and there wasn't a system around them at the time to sort of go oh that's what this is this is what's happening here you know um i wonder though if it can't maybe be bold it can be bold. i mean it might be could be a little interaction actually is triggering some mental health things they're overlapping it could be both look nothing freaks me out more than when adela levine who's one of our resident uh mediums who who's come on the show a few times She'll hear me talk about, she'll message me on Instagram and be like, you're not hallucinating, you're seeing real <laughs> real entities. And I'm like, well, right. there it goes, uh, 10 years of therapy, yeah. thanks. Therapy's a good thing, though. I mean, I look at someone like John Mack, the Harvard yeah. psychiatrist yeah, who about him interviewed so many people who claimed alien abductions. Yeah. He, Pulitzer Prize-nominated individual, said, point blank, I don't think these people are delusional. No. I've seen delusional people. I work with them all the time. Yeah. A lot of these people, completely sane, not alcoholics, didn't have childhood trauma that they then regressed and then came out with some weird alien story. 
No, none of that. So I can't explain what is going on. But these people are perfectly sane. They live everyday lives. They are your police officers. They're your teachers. They're, mm. you know, that person that just made your latte. It's, it's not crazy, kooky people in the middle of the woods having abduction experiences. That cliche is long gone. So Right, right. Yeah, it's, no, it's interesting. But it is looking back on some of this stuff for me, you yeah. know, some of the older cases, the stuff like the injured cold you you do you can see though some telltale signs of like oh yeah something else was going on here yeah. that wasn't being addressed i feel like i agree yeah. might have been a situation of a little bit of column a and a little bit of column b but mm-hmm. but no you make an excellent point and that's what i've what's so fascinating i think that the conclusion that see everyone seems to come to once you just start to go down the rabbit hole as we've you know to 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 uh, overuse an overused term, um, you you do these guys all seem to come to uh, Heineck as well. Like, okay, something's going on. We don't know what. We can't say for sure it's aliens, but something is happening. You know, and I am fascinated by whatever that is. Mm-hmm. If there's some. If there's some sort of, if we're living in a system where some type of subconscious or archetypal imagery is somehow being projected or manifested in some, that alone is fascinating. Okay, yeah. if, mm-hmm. if there isn't Bigfoot and there aren't UFOs, but if we're some, if hu- if the human consciousness is somehow able to project almost waking dreams. Yeah that all tend to tie into one another or reuse the same archetypes or symbols. That is fascinating. You know what I mean? Like That's almost more fascinating. Look at how much of our brain we don't actually use on a daily basis. If we could unlock that, I'm sure the possibilities are endless. Strip it of UFOs, strip it of aliens. Uh, The human mind and the weird stuff that happens in our world every day is fascinating enough for me. I could go without aliens and UFOs for the rest of my life and still be fascinated by all the beautiful things in the world, all the bad shit in the world too. It's just, it's a crazy journey and we're all just trying to stumble along. That's the thing. And it always kind of ties back into like, Hey, by the way, we still don't know what this is. We don't know what Uh reality really is. We don't know what the meaning is. We don't know what the purpose is. Yes. We can point to, um, you know, biology, science, physics, math, everything that we've learned about the rules of this game and those uphold, obviously, but we still don't know what the, this is. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, what is this? What is this? That, yeah. Yeah. So it's like, <laughs> that's what always gets me, you know, wired is thinking, where are we? What What is the, What is this? And how do how how are we are just limited by our by the tools that we have to and to with which to observe the the thing that we're in mm-hmm. you know and we can't observe it without affecting it yeah yeah it's it's just like it blows my mind yeah. you know it's like thinking about what happens after you die that leaves me up at night sure. just like for hours just contemplating nothingness right. as opposed to everythingness so i don't know man it, it's it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. And I spoke to a professor at Penn State, a history professor who's uh, looking into UFOs and the history behind it and what meaning we give to it. And you said meaning. And I think that has a lot to do with the whole UFO 
topic, phenomenon, even the study of it, is we are just trying to search for meaning in life. And the whole UFO thing, you look at around the 40s, 50s, when Roswell happened, when the space race began, we're searching for hope, for mm-hmm. like something to get us past all these horrible things that happened during World War II and and whatnot. So looking at it from a historical aspect, as this professor did, I found that really interesting. We're striving for technolo- technological advances. We're, mm-hmm. we're striving for um, cures to disease, for humans to get along. So why not bring an other into that? Mm-hmm. And look at what they are and what they could be. And, you know, Philip K. Dick is another prime example of that. Science fiction eventually becoming science fact. And what can we look towards? And a lot of people look at the advancement of alien technology as that. Yeah. That's a really interesting perspective, especially when you think about, like, atomic energy and the crisis that that created. And if you can look at a civilization that has this incredible power of technology but is using it non-destructively, responsibly. Like, that is like a beacon of hope for society. It is almost like inventing and conjuring new gods to help guide the way. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, it's like we're digging into our subconscious to be like, what symbols in here can we produce or call upon to help show what the next step is along right. technological or human evolution. Um, and just like there are helpful gods, there are destructive gods as, as well. So you <laughs> yeah. kind of have to be careful with what is in the dark recesses of the collective unconsciousness. It's fascinating. I love this shit. Um <laughs> Yeah, let's wrap this up, and then I think we're going to jump over to the Patreon, and we're going to have a special B- uh, BCC bonus episode with Ryan over there. Um, before we go, um, you can you tell people where to find the Roswell special again? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, just go to cwseed.com. It's free to stream right now. Uh, I believe it's at the top of the page uh, whenever you're listening to this. Check that out, and uh, other than that, I do the podcast every week, and working on more stuff and just trying to find answers somewhere in the skies. You can find it on the same uh, app that you're finding this on (laughs) and you have a book in a new book coming out, correct? Yeah. Working on it right now. A whole new territory for me. Oh really? Yeah. Can you tease anything? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, It's mixing UFOs with all the other stuff we talked about tonight. Oh, cool. Trying to bridge those gaps between all this weird stuff going on in our world, seeing if there are connections or if they are completely separate. I don't Mm -hmm. know. Trying Mm -hmm. to figure that out uh there's a lot of convincing uh evidence and um science behind all of it that i want to bring forward and it's i'm stretching my muscles on this one i don't know what i'm going to come up with but uh it's been a fascinating journey so far what's your uh ufo holy grail like my easy answer would be roswell obviously but when it comes to any other like particular cases or whatnot i would just in terms of like what what's what do you want to get your hands on? Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like if you're Indiana Jones yep. in this scenario, what's the what's the artifact you want to get? I want that element 115 that Bob was on yeah. had, man. I'm going to break into his house just like the FBI did and try to find that do shit. Do you think he has it? If if and Jeremy's a good friend of mine. If that raid He's a that welcome happened, guest on this podcast. Always. Yeah. Same, same. I love him to death. If that story's true and Bob Lazar is in possession of Element 115, first of all, I don't blame the government for wanting to go there and yeah. get it from him. That shit could blow up an entire town if you, you know, it was unstable. Um, 
I want to know what it can do. I want right. to I want to see if it actually does what he says it does, and it could, like he says, even if it's true or not, change the world. Mm-hmm. So, give me that element, and uh, just just let me go into Area Fifty One once. I, yeah. I just want to see what's actually going on. What would you rather have physical evidence of a, an actual nuts and bolts craft or uh, a biological entity? I'm not ready for a biological entity. <laughs> Can't I'm handle not. it. Yeah, yeah, no. Yeah. I, I'm going to start with a saucer, or a triangle, and uh, work from there. Right. I think that's a good place to start. Thanks again for coming on the show, man. Uh, and everyone, please go hop over. Uh, yeah, like I said, we're the primer. And then if you want to get into the real deep dive, go listen to Ryan's show. There's great stuff over there. Great stories. You had, uh, uh, I know I'm delaying the end here, but you had a investigator on lately. I forget her name. But she was telling stories about a uh, story about investigating something happening in a field. And she saw an entity. That shit scared me. Yeah. Who, yeah. uh, what was her name? Uh, Chase Kletsky. She is. She worked for the DOD. She's a star team member of MUFON. Uh, so it's a rapid response team. You have a UFO sighting, contact MUFON, and they'll get out there so Go quick listen as to that episode. Yeah. That had some great firsthand uh, eyewitness Crazy accounts on it. That story, was a really, yeah. really cool, cool episode. Uh, thanks so much for coming on the show. Uh, you can uh, listen to us every week on iTunes, Apple Podcasts. Please rate and review us. It really helps us get the show to more people. Uh, Write in to us at BigfootCollectorsClub at gmail.com. Um, until next week, uh, we love you guys, and we'll see you next time. Thank you, Ryan. Thank you so much. Bigfoot Collectors Club is produced by Riley Bray. Our theme song is Come Alone by Sun Eaters, courtesy of Lotus Pool Records. If you like the show, please rate and review us on iTunes. It really helps get the podcast to more listeners. To support the show, check out our Patreon page at patreon.com backslash Bigfoot Collectors Club and unlock multiple reward episodes every month. Hey, this is Eric Malinsky, host of the podcast Imaginary Worlds. Each episode, I explore different sci-fi fantasy genres, talking with filmmakers, novelists, game designers, cosplayers, comic book artists, and anyone who works in the field of make-believe. I also look at the fan experience, asking, why do we suspend our disbelief? You can subscribe to Imaginary Worlds wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, Heather Ashley here, host of the Big Mad True Crime Podcast. If you're looking for a true crime podcast with all of the details and none of the small talk, you have found your people. Each week, we dive deep into a new case and learn everything there is to know, from getting to know the victim and the impact their cases had on those around them, to the investigation into what happened to them and who is or might be responsible. And if the bad guy looks like he might drink whiskey by a dumpster or has the social skills of an ogre, we say it because we were all thinking it anyway. As the name suggests, we get big mad over true crime, and I would love to have you join our incredible community of listeners with big hearts and zero time for small talk. Subscribe to Big Mad True Crime anywhere you listen to podcasts and listen to new episodes every single Monday.